Hey, everybody, it's Jules, and got a couple questions for you. How do you hear from God? How do you know when it's God speaking and not the, you know, enchiladas from last night? You know, I struggle with that. I feel like sometimes, yes, this might be something that God is saying to me, but how do I know for sure? How do I trust what I'm hearing is God's word? So I'm excited because Lucius Malcolm is in the studio with us today. And he has a, written a book called The Word Speaks, which, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Lucius, it's, I would say, part devotional and then part possibly like a tool to start hearing from the Lord. Is that, yes. is that correct? Yay, go me. So um, because, you know, it's, it's kind of written uh, differently in that it's not broken into chapters. It's just like kind of a, a flow. I, I feel like I opened up your journal and started reading. That's correct. Exactly. <laughs> so does that, does that mean I'm two points in? Yes. And we just got started. Yep. <laughs> okay. But before we get into the book, uh, kind of tell us the Lucius Malcolm story. Were, were you raised in a Christian home? and? Not really. Raised in a going to church home. Okay. And um, without naming a, a denomination, uh, we just went to church and everybody went to church and we went home and uh, never really heard about the gospel even in church. Um Ended up going to college, got into the Jesus movement. Okay. I was a freak to begin with. I was very much into the hippie culture and throwing Which the frisbee. Which I'll have to say, you got short, like clean-cut hair. Having the long beard and the long hair, I was all of that. I'm trying to visualize this. this sure. Is, this is interesting. Very I different. like it. Okay, so you were a Mr. Hippie. So jumped into the Jesus freak movement, so really didn't change a whole lot, just uh -huh. wore a wooden cross. And Jesus was cool, you know. So I can't say that I had a life-changing experience, but I looked different and I tried to act a little bit different. Interesting. See, so I went through that for quite a number of years, and then they... Was it frustrating, though, not having a relationship with Jesus, but trying to, to look like... Well, we thought we had a relationship with Jesus. I have to say there was never any repentance, but there was a whole lot of uh, manifestations... Of things going on hmm. or, or possibly emotions you're not even familiar with the jesus movement i are you? am only okay. let me lucius let me just say i know this movement because my friend's parents were into it so i've heard a little bit about okay. it but i did not okay okay and i just go ahead and expose my age i did not live through it but i've heard about it so just personally i have to say there was not really a inner change of repentance so that jesus came in and changed me from the inside that didn't happen during that period okay so when did it happen that happened uh, during a cataclysmic event. Some of that is in my book while I journaled, but where my former wife left me with a newborn and a two-year-old. And when wow. that happened, my world fell apart. Sure. Not only did I idolize a woman who left me to go dance at the cheetah, by the way, oh. um, but I was devastated that now suddenly I had a newborn and a two-year-old to look after. Um, so like every night I fall on my knees and say, God, I can't do it. And that's when he entered my life and said, okay, I'll take over. Wow. Let me do it. And every night it was like a time with Jesus where he would coddle me and say, it's going to be all right. I love you. It's going to be all right. So every day I walked through that and that changed me from the inside, made me a different person. Well, and, and just knowing that, like, unless God showed up, you weren't going to make it. Nope. I mean, because having a newborn, 
is very overwhelming. I came close to crashing and burning almost every day. I say it's the most terrible time and the most wonderful time all at the same time. So you raised your children in the home um, and got married and uh, to another woman. Correct. All right. So you were on this pathway and you are a financial guy in the numbers world. And I'm very impressed because numbers is like magic to me. Don't get it. But that's what you did. Mm-hmm. And you made a life out of it and a mm-hmm. career and supported your family. But it was um, at the point of retirement where a lot of people say, okay, great. Now I can just coast. I don't know what you do. Play golf. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I feel like retirement is like way off, Lucia's like, I, I feel right. like it's like the it's carrot. It's like a dream for you. It's a carrot. I feel like they just dangle it. Like, put this money in the stock and I promise you one day you'll get that carrot. And I'm like, no, I won't. But you were there. You had the carrot in your hand. Um, and that's when God kind of redirected you to be a Christian author. So <laughs> unpack that story for me. Yeah, that's a little, little harder to explain everything. But yeah, the retirement came and my wife will say for the first month, it was like, what am I going to do with him? You know, he's here all the time. I don't know what to do. Well, I finally kind of got my stride and began to continue to disciple young men, which is my passion, um, and take one or two under my wing and meet with them and disciple them and continue to do that, added to it. Um, I did play a little golf. Um, Now I picked up hiking, which I enjoy more than the golf. Um, And uh, like I told you earlier, we changed churches. Uh, due to lots of reasons, and ended up at Living Hope Church, where David Holt is a pastor. And that is a church in the Athens area. Okay. And um, David himself is very challenging, but then, like I mentioned before, you know, we were used to being the challengers. At now, the previous church. Now, suddenly, we mm. were being challenged, and everyone in that church has seemed so on fire for Jesus that it was like the accelerator got put down in my life and it was contagious now it's time to go it's not time to sit back and think oh what's gonna happen now no Uh it's time to go which is you know i I love that lucius because um i think the temptation in every stage of your life right um but especially in retirement years is that you can say okay these are my years this is this is all about meeting my pleasure but that's not the course that god had for you he wanted so much more and so much better like he oftentimes does it just you're going to have to be challenged. So God um, started challenging you how? Well, in our walk with the Lord and in the, maybe even you could say the function of the Holy Spirit in our life um, to move us in different directions and to direct us in different ways. Um, and uh, in the book, I talk about a dream that I had that kind of changed my trajectory. And um, that dream challenged me and then also challenged the pastor who had me share it with the church. And then after that, he said, hey, have you ever read a book called The Four Keys to Hearing God's Voice? And I said, no, you ought to get it. So I did, put it on the bookshelf for a year, never even cracked it. For about a year, I pulled it off the shelf and started reading through it very slowly and realized there was something about what's called two-way journaling and hearing God's voice. And that's what I started the journey, which ended up being this book, where I two-way journaled, sit down very quietly. What do you have to say today, Jesus? And he would speak, and I'd write it down. Well, and, you know, contrary to public opinion, I have read a couple books in my day. 
Uh, and I said earlier that, you know, the organization of your book is very different. It's not broken down into chapters or it's not broken down into days. Sometimes journals, you'll see that as Monday, start here, Tuesday, start here. It really is. I opened up your journal. So why did you print your journal? Why did you turn your journal into a book? Because it can be very intimate. And, and I don't know, I'm thinking, you know, my journal, things I have written and, and letting people read it might be a little intimidating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. Well, um, in Dr. Verkler's book, which I mentioned a minute ago, The Four Keys to Hearing God's Voice, he uh, encourages you strongly that when you start journaling, you have three advisors. And every time you do a journal, you send it to those three advisors so that they can keep you on chart, make your sure you're going in the right direction and correct you if there's something that's not biblical. So I did that and David Holt was one of my advisors. Mm-hmm. And your uh, your other associate pastor, but the third advisor which um you know you might find this interesting is his wife. Correct. Which I found that to be very interesting because I don't know. I mean, I I I, I might tend to um, shy away of telling my husband like, okay, this is what I've heard from God, but you Y'all are discussing it as husband and wife. Absolutely. Yeah. And she might, might have given the best feedback on the book and on the journaling. Mm-hmm. All right. So you, you did the journaling and, um, and you run it through three um, different advisors, um, which you said your pastor, your associate pastor, and your wife. Um, but then, but, but why print it? So about every other week, I'd see David Holt and he would say, have you written a book yet? And I'd say, no, I'm not even thinking about writing a book. Two other weeks go by. Have you written a book yet? No, because he was reading my journals every day. So he's like saying, you need to write a book, man. This stuff is really Because good. he was validating what you were hearing and making sure. Okay. Okay. So about six months of that, I finally said, okay, I guess I'll write a book. You know, really didn't have the vision yet, but I sat down with David and he kind of took me through how he wrote his books. He has two, maybe three now, I think. And um, I said, okay, I'm going to give this a try. So I began the journey of taking my journal and turning it into a book. And that is the story how a numbers guy, you know, a man that was in the financial world went to being a Christian author, uh, which is, has to be a God thing. Because, you know, I'm thinking, how do you go from a numbers guy in the financial world to a Christian author? So there's a couple of things I want to dig into because I feel like, I don't know, I mean, between my friends and I was talking to my husband about it this morning, is how do you hear from God? Um, And very concretely, how do you know it's from God? Um, Because, you know, you can get on tangents and maybe you can, your desires you can say, oh, this is God because God wants me to be happy. And then you fill in whatever sin you want to be doing. Um, all right. So what are the keys to hearing God's voice? There's four of them, right? You said. You got them down already? I, I do. I do have them down because I've, I've been reading your book. So one, I'll, I'll go ahead and uh, let you know, is quiet yourself. And maybe the most difficult. All right. I need some tips on this because um, I don't know if you know this. I'm not a very quiet person. So quieting yourself, I mean, how, how do you do that? Do you start off um, in the deep end or maybe go into the, like the kiddie pool and kind of quiet yourself for longer times? I mean, yeah, I think all that works for different people. You know, some are left brain, some are right brained. 
right? You buy into that? I do. Okay. So the right brain person, it's a little easier if they play music or if they do something that will engage that right side of their creative brain and to get quiet. For the left brain person, quite often, they got to write down everything they're supposed to do today and then set it aside and say, okay, Lord, I'm just going to think about you. But it is an exercise, and our brain and our body does not want to be still. It's like David said, be still and know that I am God. And then he also said, my soul, wait thou only upon God. He had to command his soul to wait and to get quiet before God. So it's okay that um, maybe quieting myself is going on a walk? Absolutely. Okay. I might work for you. Now, for a right brain person like me, I had to put it into a vision. And so my getting quiet had to do with painting this vision in my mind of where I was and then watching Jesus come and sit beside me. So don't put what other people do on yourself. Correct. Because I think I do that. Like, I think I've done the list, put the list aside, um, but then my brain goes. Yeah. So it works for you to walk down a trail and just start quieting yourself down. Say, now I just want to hear what you have to say, Lord. I've been doing all this talking. Who should say the most, me or you? Come on, let me hear from you. And that leads to your second um, key is to fix your eyes on Jesus. And that was something that you said that sometimes it can be visual because you're a very visual person. So mm-hmm. you, you actually picture being there with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Now, my husband does that. He, he pictures um, him, it, it, I mean, physically what he would visualize when he talks to God. And that's what you do. Mm-hmm. All right, explain that. Okay. So I picture a, sitting on a little stone wall like you might see in England or Ireland and looking down this hillside with a bunch of other stone walls into a big old gulf of water. And I sit there and I begin to quiet myself and I wait for Jesus to come around the back side of me and sit down on my right side. And he'll sit down after a while. Sometimes I'll sit there and he won't come and it's because I got stuff on my mind. You know, I just can't get quiet. But I learned over time to get quiet enough where in my vision he will come and sit beside me. Now, sometimes when he sits beside me, I just look at him. He turns to me and he smiles. That's enough. That's all I need. I'm done for the day because the king of kings just smiled at me. It's like he just said, it's all right. I love you. He didn't have to say anything. But there are times where you, God does speak. Um, and how do you recognize God's voice? Because that is number three. That's kind of a learned thing, too. Uh, to separate your voice, Satan's voice, or God's voice. A lot of it is built around your biblical knowledge. So we do need to be students of the written word. This in no way discounts that the word of God is the established word of God, the written word of God. Hence the title of his book, The Word Speaks. So you always take everything through that. So if it fits with biblical and that's what you're hearing, it's probably God speaking. Then you go to God's character. If it fits with God's character, it's probably God speaking. And does it fit with what the Holy Spirit does? Encourages, exhorts, edifies? If it does those things, it's probably God speaking to you. And then all of this, he is running through three separate godly people. 
Because you can. I mean, I've heard a lot of people, I mean, you live long enough and you'll hear people rationalize whatever they want to do. We all do it. I do it. Um, because I want to do what I want to do, you know, and I don't want to submit and relent to God. Um, so it is that accountability. But yes. but that's the, uh, the the grace of God that we get to live this Christian walk with brothers and sisters in Christ. That is that is biblical. That is not just something that we have to do. It's something that we get to do. Right. And so you have surrounded yourself with godly advisors to filter this all out. And so, you know, we went through the the, the, the keys to hearing God's voice, but don't miss out that he is not going to say anything that's against um, his word, against his spirit, against his nature, and um, and then always go through an advisors, mm-hmm. godly people. All right, so m- when you um, meditate, because there is a, in the book, you, you have um, portions where you, you, you have scripture and you, and you say, you know, the top meditation. All right, what does that look like? Because I think sometimes meditation, you know, it can take on maybe a new age vision. You know what I mean? Okay. And so okay. when you say scripture for meditation, you have it all throughout the book and then you have scriptures in it. What, when when um, Lucius does scripture of meditation, what does that look like for you? I know you said that you, you visualize uh, Jesus sitting next to you. Sometimes he speaks, sometimes he just smiles. All right, but then what do you do? Okay, after that? Yeah, the scripture of meditation. What is that? Okay. Hold my hand and, and walk me through that. All right. So the key is fixing our eyes on Jesus. Now that's right out of scripture. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, right? But is it talking about our physical eyes? It is not. It can't, because Jesus is now a spirit. So we are talking about our inner eyes. That's the part we have to exercise not only in hearing God speak to us, but also in meditation, is seeing the Word not just with our eyes, not just with our mental capabilities, but seeing the Word from the Spirit, our eyes being fixed on Jesus. The author and he he authored the book, right? Right. So when I fix my eyes on him and want to hear him speak, and then I look at a scripture that says, "Yet those that wait for the Lord will gain new strength." It's like it takes on a whole new life of its own, and that's commonly called the Rama word, where the word of God, the written word, becomes the spoken word to you. So it leaps off the page. That's why some people call it. But, but you know, I'm, I'm thinking about my routine when I spend time with God. I think I jump right into the scripture. You know what I mean? I don't prepare my heart. I don't quiet myself. I don't um, visualize God, what you said, fixing your eyes on Jesus. Um, and then I, I probably jump right into it and trying to say, okay, all right, what, 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 you know, and I read the scripture and I say, okay, what do you, what do you want from that out of that? All right, so your fourth uh, key to hearing God's voice is write down the flow of thoughts and pictures. So this, this could be scary because you mentioned this a minute ago. What flow am I hearing? But to some degree, we have to trust that we have the Holy Spirit living in us. Now, if you doubt that, that needs to be fixed. Okay, but if you are assured that you are a son of God, and by the proof of that son of God, you have the Holy Spirit within you, then you can rely on the Holy Spirit. He's not going to fool you and let him give you spontaneous thoughts. And then journal it. Light upon your mind, and then you write it down. Because if we don't write it down, it's quickly gone, right? That's so true, (laughs) because we forget. 
We we're do. people that forget. Um, and so you write down pictures. If God put a picture in your mind, you write that down. If he gives you words, a thought, you write it down. You write everything down. Correct. Okay, then what do you do with it? Do you, do you go back and look at it? or I will. I'll go back over it and look over it and think, yeah, that, yeah, that. And kind of have to convince myself over and over again, that was Jesus speaking to me. It's, there's no doubt about it. Look at it. It's, it is Jesus. Now I'm going to send it to David and my wife and the other guy. Jimmy Bamberg, by the way, who I love very much, and say, "What is this all right? Does this look good to you? Like I said, they come back and say yes. All right, Lucius, tell me how this is done incorrectly. Okay. Maybe meditating not on God's Word, but on God's creation. I mean, like, y- y- you know what I mean, where you're looking for somewhere else to meditate on? Or Excellent point, because the difference with, say, what you would call a New Ager is that they will empty their minds of everything and then accept whatever comes. Okay. Which I'll have to say, Lucius, when you say the word meditation in the Christian circles, y- you can get people a little like, what? Because mm-hmm. New Age is, is redefined what meditation looks like. Correct. But when a Christian and when Jesus and when Paul talks about meditation, they're talking about what God said. Fill That's in your what brain. Talking about yes, fill in your mind, not with just absence, but with God's scripture, the truth. Correct. Okay. Right. All right. What are some other ways you would say? Okay, people are are not doing this correctly. Okay. Well, there's a uh, a topic actually in Dr. Verkler's book. It talks about either praying or meditating with an idol in your heart, and this is when the thing that you are praying about is actually more important than God is. Ooh. So it could, it could actually be your son or your daughter, or it could be uh, something else you want very badly, and you're praying for that so intensely that we forget this is really about God. It's not about me. It's not about what I want. It's mm-hmm. not about even what's good for me. It's about who God is and that he gets the glory out of it. So when we pray with an idol in our heart or if we even journal, is going to come out through this weird filter and not really be what God had intended it to be. Does that make sense? It does make sense and, and possibly kind of hit home there because, I mean, especially as a mom, you, when you said, son, I mean, yeah, I got three little girls. Of course, I, I pray for them all the time. And sure. so, but, but something that, that God's intended for good, Satan can use for evil. And, of course. And something that's good and, and good for us and a blessing can become an idol quickly. So a perfect example would be Balaam, who God told him, don't go, don't go, don't go. So he kept entertaining that whole idea. They finally brought enough money. And he said, yeah, yeah, I'll go. And God almost slew him on the way, if not for his donkey, right? Right. So right. It's, a, it's that story. So sometimes with idols, but do you find ever times wherein um, the Lord is silent? Yeah, there's quite often I'd sit down with my journal open and seeking the Lord and praying and being quiet. Nothing. Just nothing. And that's when it's, that's okay. You know, I'm just going to flip through the Bible and, and read what I want to read today. And it's okay if I don't actually hear him speak to my heart today. Well, it's just like in any relationship, right? Sometimes you're just quiet. 
yeah. with your spouse riding down the road and there's no problems. And then sometimes you, you're quiet and you're silent for a reason, you know, because your husband did something, didn't unload the dishwasher, take the trash out and you're mad at him. So, sure. you, you know, but sure. it's any kind of relationship. So sometimes right. it's, it's, it's right. nice just to sit and be quiet together. And then sometimes that spontaneous thought from God comes in a different way. You're riding down the road. I'm sure this has happened to you. And a name just sparks in your mind. Where'd that come from? Well, it's the Holy Spirit saying, pray for John or whoever. That's a spontaneous thought, just like you're journaling, only it happens in the car when you're going down the road. Mm -hmm. and, and one time I was going down the road, I didn't have a good time with Jesus, but I was going down the road and I was asking him a question about, should I purchase a certain thing? And I looked over, he was like sitting in the seat beside me going, shaking his head back and forth, no. <laughs> I thought, okay, I got my answer. Wow. So you are a very visual person. But so does God speak to people in different ways depending on who they are? Because I'm thinking somebody who's not as visual as you is saying, like, I've never seen that. Sure. And that's where the journaling comes in. Some people are, you know, mathematicians, and they're very, you know, gonna do it that way on the left brain and so writing it down really helps them formulate these ideas they're getting well and not putting on how um, Jesus talks to Malcolm on me how does Jesus talk to me as Jules I mean we're different people different experiences and so um, you know I have personally never ridden down the road and, and visualized Jesus sitting next to me but that's that's you so not put that on myself correct and a perfect example would be Luke writing his gospel, and then John writing Revelation in his gospel. One was obviously right-brained. Everything was visions for John. But Luke, man, it had to be exactly right. Well, and that's, what's so, that's what excites me about God is that he, um, he speaks to us as individuals. And he speaks to us, you know, he doesn't, how I communicate uh, with you and how I communicate with my friend Anne is going to be totally different ways because we're, we're different relationships. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's, that's awesome that he meets us where we are. All right. I want to talk to you though, um, because you said something in page two of your book. So I am going to go to that page because it jumped out at me. Um, in page two, you said, as I sit down, Jesus is waiting for me. He is smiling at me. The reason why is because I feel like, you know, based on your experiences in life impacts how we see Jesus. So for somebody who did not have a great relationship with their dad, the idea that their heavenly father could possibly smile at them and would want to sit down, maybe it's something where I feel like, okay, Jesus tolerates me, but he doesn't like me. How do we get past that? I think time with Jesus, time with God, because if, as you got deeper into the book, you'll see that. Jesus actually unearthed uh, memories of mine that I had buried. Now, don't jump the gun. No, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> to, answer, to answer your question, yeah. if someone has these hurts and these pains in the back and it's hard for them to visualize a God who loves them, if they'll stick with it, God will unearth those things and really show them what the root problem is and, and heal it. And be honest with God. Be honest with Jesus. Tell him, this That's is good. hard. It's right. just hard for me to visualize you smiling at me because. That's good. Because we want to hide, right? We want exactly. to even hide from our Savior who knows everything about us and yet still loves us. Um, all right. So I said pause on that because I wanted to talk to you about things that Jesus has um, unearthed 
Um, because like I said, this book is your journal. And um, so let's thumb through to page 71. And I'm going to go ahead and read it if that's all right with you. Okay. You said um, in page 71 that that Jesus gave you a gift, and it's the gift of forgiveness to your mom, um, to your mom. So this is what you wrote. I have a gift for you today. This is coming from Jesus to you, right? Um, I have given the love for your mother back to you. I want you to forgive her completely right now for every mean word she's ever said to you and to your wife. Now you are free to grieve for her and free to love again. Let the river flow. This is very personal. Mm -hmm. It is your journal. So unpack that yeah it still touches me um you can tell i'm getting a little weepy um but letting the river flow meant i could cry and i could grieve from a mother for the first time since she passed away because um, she was so vindictive and she said such hurtful words to my wife especially it was um it's very difficult to be around her and so when she passed it was a relief for me and for others um, and I feel certain other people can identify with that, uh, with difficult family situations. But when Jesus unpacked that in the way he did, that it was a gift to me to forgive her, it changed everything. And then because of that, that gift of forgiveness, like you said, the river, the Spirit of God was able to flow and yes. touches areas of your heart that you probably closed up. Exactly. So that answers your previous question about when it's hard to hear God speak to you because of your vision of God. He will unpack those things and begin to show you uh, what you do need to deal with. And but so, do it in such a loving, kind way that it's a gift. Well, and that's what brought me to that because I, I've wanted people to hear that you have life experiences that could impact how um, you visualize Jesus. And so you just got to go to him and say, this is, this is, this is it. This is what I feel. This is my viewpoint. And he knows it. Right. He just wants you to come talk to him. Right. And we know David did the same thing all throughout the Psalms. Just cried out a heartfelt, my enemies are going to kill me. They say there is no God. Where are you? Mm -hmm. Why have you forsaken me? Exactly. And God shows up. Yeah. Yeah. And when you had that entry where God gave you the gift of forgiveness, was it something that you could do? Um, immediately, or was it a process? At that time, it was immediate. Yeah, right there in what I thought was Jesus's presence. I forgave her. And the last part of that is, he said, oh, and by the way, she's here with me. Wow. Well, tell me, um, and maybe this was it, but is there um, an, an entry into your journal that really surprised you? Yes. Was that, was that it? No, there there's was, others. <laughs> there was another one. Okay. You probably haven't gotten to, and I'm not exactly sure what page it is, so I'm just going to share it. Um, <clears throat> well, there was a moment that he brought to my memory. I sat down and said, what do you have to say to me today, Jesus? He said, well, I want to take you back to another time in the hospital room where your former wife was having uh, the child. Your second one or your first child? The second child, okay. the newborn. The, the newborn that she left. Okay. So you were in the hospital room, and you're standing there with her. The baby's been born, and uh, her boyfriend walks in the door and walks across, and he kisses her. And you get up, as angry as can be, obviously, and you stomp out of the room. 
said, you knew at that moment that that baby was not yours, didn't you? I said, yes, Lord, but I buried it. I wouldn't accept it. He said, it's okay. You can forgive them all now for what they did. And then it was a river, the, the flow of the river coming in yep. an area of your heart that you didn't even want to acknowledge. Yep, yep. So another buried memory that I had, you know, didn't want to think about. What has been the response from this book? Uh, I can tell you a few of them. They've been uh, pretty amazing in my mind. One I can actually read to you. I'm counseling a man in our church. His name is Bill. And Bill's going through a very difficult divorce. And I was able to counsel him and share some of my pain and uh, what I went through. And I really ministered to him. And then I gave him a copy of my book. And he called me um, late one night and said, you have to read 41. You have to read page 41. I can't believe what God said to me. All right, let me thumb through there. Let me hang on a second. Okay, got it. Okay, so on some days when I met with Jesus, I would ask him who I should bring into the picture with us. This became a form of intercession. Today, it was a young man I was discipling. We will call him Bill. That's the man's name. Now, the man's name I was discipling was not Bill, but I changed it Mm -hmm. for the book. So here Bill is reading what Jesus is saying to him. Jesus says, Bill, you need to rest in what you are. Do not try to be anything else. Rest in what you are and let me bring you to your fullness. Let me take all the seeds I have planted and grow them up into their completeness. Rest in what you are. I'll do the rest. Stay up in here, right close to me, and listen to my voice. I'm calling you by name. You are my precious one. And that's what Bill called me about. He said, I can't believe that's in your book. Just like, that spoke to me. That was what I needed. He said he was about, he was thinking about ending his life. So that, that changed everything. Wow. When he read that, and then that... Have people, have you heard um, that this has been a kind of a, a launching pad to start saying, okay, mm, Jesus talks to Lucius Malcolm like this. Maybe Jesus wants to talk to me. So that's one of the things at the end of each little takeaway I do. It says, now, what is Jesus saying to you? Write it below. So it encourages others to do that. You know, and... I- I, I enjoy um, reading this book. I'm going to continue on. This is not like a book that you just zip through. This is, um, like I said, I'm going to use this as part of my devotion time um, and, and, and integrate it in uh, because I, I think, you know, I was raised in the church um, and I felt like there have been times that God has spoken to me, but I think sometimes I will tap that off and, and turn it off because I think, well, that's just um, my imagination. Um, or, you know, maybe that's not how God's really wanting to talk to me. Um, so I think maybe I need to start opening up my, my heart and, um, my ears and, um, and start doing this and realizing, okay, he really does. He is alive. Mm-hmm. Yes. And what does the shepherd say that the sheep will hear my voice yes. and, and follow me? Yes. Yes. So. Do we relegate that just to the written word? I I don't think so in context. I think we want and all are made to hear God's voice. Well, um, 
I, I appreciate, uh, Lucius, you coming in and, and speaking with us. And how can somebody get a copy of your book, um, The Word Speaks? You can find it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or my publisher, Zulon, any of those places. And just either plug in my name, Lucius J. Malcolm, or The Word Speaks, Conversations with Jesus. All right, now before I let you out of here, would you possibly um, give us the first step? If somebody is a new believer, somebody's new to this idea that is a personal relationship with Jesus, um, you know, I kind of do in the extreme, so therefore I'm like, okay, well, great, then I need to spend two hours listening and being quiet. You, you know what I mean? But, yeah. but can you break it down? Maybe it's the, what's the first step that we should do? Oh, that's good. If this is a whole yeah. foreign idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it's not going to come naturally because we are in the Western culture. Jesus was Eastern culture, okay? So it was more natural for them to get alone and to meditate. We're, we're not that way. So it might be five minutes for someone the first time to just get themselves still, okay? Then the next time it might be 10 minutes. So it's like developing a muscle. It's like doing push-ups. You might start out with five, go to 10. Before you know it, you're doing 50. Or start out with one. That's okay. There you go. (laughs) Start out with one. Go with (laughs) push-ups. So take baby steps to begin with. There's nothing wrong with that. God meets us right where we are, and you'll be amazed at how much encouragement you will get from the Holy Spirit and from God himself if you just make an effort to hear his voice. And be honest. I think that's something I've, I've taken away just from my conversation with you today is that like, be honest mm-hmm. and, and tell Jesus, this is not natural. This is not easy. Where do you want to start? That's good. All right. And I, I feel like there's going to be a lot of people out there listening and they got some follow-up questions for you. Um, and so I know you, you um, gave out how you can get in touch with the book. Um, but if you'd like to get in touch with uh, Lucius, um, you can get in touch with me through social media. I'll make sure to connect you because I'm sure, like you said, you love discipling um, young men and young believers and, um, and could answer some questions that people have along sure, the way. Sure, I'd love to. All right. So, and you can reach out to me. I'm on Facebook and on Instagram at The Jewel Show, and I will be sure to get you um, Malcolm's contact information so y'all can start there. All right. Hey, thank you so much for joining me. And thank you for this book. I, like I said, this is going to be part of my, my new year um, devotion time.